Uh, well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in our present society, it perhaps is sometimes becoming difficult to remember uh, the Old Testament at a mission. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Be sober-minded as thou art and stop sinning. Indeed, in our present society, it seems that sin is so prevalent that a lot of people have thrown their hands in the air. Uh, a lot of people are saying one to another, well, you know, we should accept everyone. We, we should take in everyone. We, we should allow everyone their, their freedom to live their life just the way that they want. And in fact, in many of our public schools, we, we have teachers that are teaching that, you know, you should even befriend those who your church says are committing sin. Because we, in the sphere of, of education, we, we know better. We know that people just have differences. And so you people that, you know, say something is a, a sin... Oh, you're just kind of bigoted, and you're just kind of prejudiced, and you maybe don't know as well as you think you do. That's what educators today are telling the population, aren't they? And so it's so very easy for our, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews to, to be going off to the public schools to, to be learning that, that this thing that the church teaches is a sin, that it is really okay. And in fact, I ought to be friends with that person. I, I ought to include that person with, within my group. I, I even ought to, yes, we're being told, embrace that sin, right? Because, you know, back, back in the, the 80s and, and 90s, when people were campaigning for various sins to be acceptable, we, we maybe just kind of thought to ourselves, well, I, I can kind of look the other way. Now, okay, you know, the legal system is changing, and, and it's okay for that stuff to be going on over there, but it, it won't take place in, in my house. And it, it won't happen in my church. And it, it, it just, you know, I, I, I don't have to speak out against it. And I don't have to campaign against it. But, you know, it, it, it can just kind of be, it can be there. But we'll just be at peace. But dear friends, as you know, it's different today, isn't it? Right, they, they don't just want to be at peace. They want you and I to embrace the very sins that the Bible warns us against. And so we come back to my phrase for today. Do not be deceived. 
Bad company corrupts good morals. Be sober-minded as thou art, and stop sinning. We had a very interesting text for today in Timothy, didn't we? And it's easy, again, for us to say, well, you know, that's just for leaders in the church, you know? I, I really hope that my, my pastor is faithful to his wife and, you know, that, that his kids exhibit the, the self-control that comes from the Holy Spirit and, you know, that, that the pastor's house is in order. And, yeah, it's sure kind of nice to have good elders, too, isn't it? You know, that there are fine, upstanding people in the community and, and you know, there's not whispering or, or gossip uh, about any of our elders. And, and you know, those, those things are really good, but, okay, what about you and the rest of us? But dear friends, the, the standards given for today, they should not just be for the, the pastor. It shouldn't just be for the, the president of the synod. Right? And, and not, not just the, the couple elders that, that we singled out and elected to positions, but rather the standard should be for each and every one of us, shouldn't they? Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And yet that, that's kind of where uh, we are, isn't it? If you think of any organization that you belong to outside of the church, right? There, there's some people there that you're called to associate with that they don't meet the standards that we read about today in the book of Timothy, right? You go out into the, the secular world and, and you're expected to be able to work peacefully right, with, with adulterers, right, with, with homosexuals, with, with a transgender. Now that's coming down the, the pipeline, isn't it? You're, you're supposed to you, you know, it, it embrace their way of life. Because if you come to the work center and you ignore them, Right? You, you, you don't greet them in the hallway. You, you don't talk to them around the water cooler. Then something is said to be wrong with you, isn't it? It's completely the opposite of what our Lord is asking us to do, though, isn't it? Right? Don't be deceived, he said. And it's so very easy, though, isn't it? Right, because, you know, there you are, and you're around the water cooler, and, and you know, your, your, your friend there, he, he's starting to, to talk about how, you know, things aren't that great in his marriage. And, you know, he, he's talking about that, you know, maybe he, he's going to be kind of looking around for someone else. And, and you don't want to get involved, you know. You don't want to say too much. You, you don't want to rock the boat or, or you know, have conflict in the work center. And, and so you just kind of, you know, you, you maybe just kind of let it go. Your good morals begin 
to be corrupted, don't they? Because now, rather than having the standard, now, rather than this being a black and white issue, now you're just, okay, things are great. They're not always black and white. Oh, we go behind the scenes, and we, we understand this person's perspective, and, and, you know, he didn't have very good home life, and he didn't have really good role models out there in the world, and, and you know, his, his teachers were, were not teaching him properly. They come up with all these excuses for why this certain behavior is, well, it, it's maybe okay for, for my friend, because he's my friend. But now, now we start to slip, haven't we? You see, that's how our morals become eroded. You woke up yesterday, that thing is really wrong. I would not associate with people that did that. I would not want my morals to be corrupted. Bad company corrupts good morals. But now it was my best friend that came to me. Now my best friend, he still wants to hang out with me, but he's starting to tell me some things about what his life is really like. It's it's my best friend. Oh, I start to put relationships above principles, don't I? Because if it's my best friend, if, if it's my family member, if it's someone close to my heart, and they're starting to do this kind of thing, I, I, I don't want to cut ties. I still want to be around them. And then furthermore, then our, our friends come and, and they say, well, who, who are you to be so high and mighty? Who are you to, to judge me? They, they kind of miss the distinction that when Jesus was talking about judge not lest ye be judged, It was in a particular context, in a particular situation. He went on to speak about not judging people based on on poverty or riches. He went on to talk about not judging people based upon their outward appearance, about how they dress that particular day. You see, when Jesus comes and says, judge not lest ye be judged, he's talking about basing that on outward appearances. But later on, people often forget, Jesus came and he said, judge with a righteous judgment. What's the righteous judgment? It's to compare it to the word of God, isn't it? So we have this word. We we have God's principles. We we have uh, God's reasoning. We can go to that in our Holy Scripture. We can see what the correct path is going to be. And then we can say, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 
There are some points in my ministry, especially in, in North Dakota, when I, I had a lot of uh, younger people that I was working with, when there would be this kind of a, a thing that might get into a young lady's mind that she was going to try to save a, a fellow classmate in the high school. Right, there was this guy, and oh, he was from a, a poor family, and oh, he'd gone through, you know, this great turmoil, and oh, there had been these difficulties, and and now, you know, she, an attractive young Christian woman, was going to go into that situation, and, and she was going to, you know, save that young fella and bring him to the Lord. Well, on the surface, you know, what, what can seem real more wonderful? I'm going to go bring someone to the Lord, right? But you, you can maybe guess what, what happens so often when a young person decides to undertake what we would, would term missionary dating. What so often happens is that the, the young woman would become corrupted in her morals. There would be great difficulty. And in fact, I remember you know, one case in particular when I, I was serving on, on my vicarage and, and you know, working with this particular family years and years ago where the, the young woman was on track to become the valedictorian of her class. And, and, you know, she was well-known and well-liked in the community. And, you know, people could hold her up as an example. And in her senior year, she started dating a, a young man that had dropped out of high school. He was living over in a, a, a trailer park in a, a run-down, you know, beat-up place. And she had this idea that she's going to try to bring him to the Lord. And, you know, guess what happened? Within just a few months, she was failing all of her classes. She was no longer attending school. Her, her dad was heart sick over what was happening. He, he sat in my office on one day, tears in his eyes, and, and he said, you know what happened last night? That young fella came by to pick up my daughter, and I could smell that he was drunk when he got to the front door. And I told my daughter that she couldn't go. And, and she screamed and cried. And, and I, I just took her in my arms and I carried her down the basement. And I just held her there as a prisoner while she cursed my name. And said she's going to call Child Protective Services on me. And what could I do? Because I knew that young man was drunk. And I couldn't just let my daughter go with him. I couldn't do it. See, dear friends, that is the example of what I'm talking about today. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts. Good. Morals. Now, as we, we worked with that, that family, you know, we were able to, to find ways for them to to help the daughter to see what her life could be like still. Right? Because she had good grades all the way to her senior year. 
right? That she could get a scholarship, you know, to a, a nice university, that, that she could go on and, and have choices and, and you know, uh, something, you know, to say about her future. And as she began to, to make these different trips with her parents and to see the life that she could have compared to going to live in the trailer park with her boyfriend who didn't really have a job, she was able to come back from that. And she was able to, to graduate now as a, a second in her class because, as I said, you know, for a couple of months she let her grades just uh, you know, fall apart. But she was able to get that scholarship still, able to, to get back on track once again. But, but what is the key? Right? It's that we realize that we need to separate ourselves from those that have a bad influence upon us. It's that, that we realize that, that sometimes, especially when we're young, you know, perhaps our, our character is not such that we can do exactly what Jesus would do. Now, it's certainly a beautiful idea, isn't it? You, you would ask the question, what would Jesus do? And, and then you would go and, and you would do it. But, but guess what? You and I are sinful people, aren't we? And, and, and you and I, as we begin to be exposed to bad company, can come to change our outlook. We can come to change our moral stance. We can come to be, yes, even corrupted, can't we? Now, what's the way back? You see, the, the way back for the alcoholic is not that he now hangs out at the bar even more with his friends and also drink alcohol, but rather what, what's the option? That he stays away from the bar. He stays away from the friends that drink the alcohol. That he comes to be in a new place. He comes to form new friendships. He gets into new and different organizations. They step away from the bad company. What was the, the secret for our, our sons and daughters, our nieces and nephews? It's that they also would stay away from the bad company. It's not that we embrace the sin. It, it, it's not that we, you know, want to, to, to go and accept that. We want to be so, you know, very, very good at, about it. But rather... We take it to heart. I, I know a youth pastor that he, he used to, as an example, he, he would put in a, a bag, you know, a, a beautiful, nice, perfect apple. And then he would take another apple that was kind of bruised and a little bit beat up, and he would put it in that same bag. And he would seal it up. As the, the weeks went by through the, the school year, people would kind of come to see that the, the beat-up apple, it, it wasn't getting better, but rather it was the perfect, nice apple 
those now becoming more and more eroded. We used to say, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Remember that old saying? We don't take that to heart anymore, though, do we? In fact, we're, we're going to question, are there really any bad apples? But no, our Lord, he returns to us with the truth of the conviction. We are called to be different, aren't we? Each and every one of us as Christians is a call to model that lifestyle expressed in Timothy today. That we would be faithful and we would be true. We would be shining lights upon the hill. That our light would so shine before men that they would take notice and they would glorify their Father in heaven. That we would share the truth. That we would be examples. That we would come back from sin. Not embrace it. Not change our vocabulary to, to mask it. That we would acknowledge the sin. We would confess our sins. We would return to the Lord our God once again. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ enables us to do, doesn't he? You see, Jesus looked down from heaven. He saw that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short in some way. All of us need salvation. And he came and he died on the cross so you and I could be forgiven. So the way to heaven could be opened for us once again. So he could be the door. And that is what he is, isn't he? Jesus came and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He's the only door, the only way to get into heaven. And dear friends, Jesus, he loves so much, he was willing to pay the price for you and for me. The price of living in the pain of this world. The price of having friends that betray him. The price of having people that were backbiting, that were libeling and slandering him. The, the price of people questioning his every move, even though it was pure and holy. The price of a terrible death upon the cross. Jesus loved so much. He went through all of those things to become that door that you and I 
can enter in. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.